0: Welcome, everyone. I am Bob Wurzelbacher, the director of the Respect Life office for the Archdiocese of Cincinnati. And this is our video podcast series that we call Being Pro-Life. Each month, we'll discuss a different topic in the Respect Life arena. We'll hear a personal story from someone deeply affected by that issue. And finally, we'll share ways that you can get involved. This month's topic is student life groups here in the Archdiocese of Cincinnati. So this week, we're going to Mount Notre Dame. As always, we have special guests. So will you please introduce yourselves?
1: My name is Rose Von Erden, and I'm the president of the Respect for Life Club here at MND.
0: All right, Rose. Well, tell us about your life group at Mount Notre Dame. What are some of the things that you do there at Mount Notre Dame?
1: We have monthly meetings. And so once a month, we'll have a meeting in one of the rooms. And we usually have a PowerPoint where we learn about a different topic that we scheduled in the beginning of the year. And we learn a little bit about that topic, either more about the theme pro-life is pro-women, more about what abortion really is, more about the elderly, like that aspect of the pro-life movement. So we have different topics each month, learn about it, and then do a little service project based on that. So one meeting last year when we learn about from womb to the tomb. we focused on the tomb part, talking about euthanasia and how we don't believe in that and to like respect the elderly. We made little turkey crafts. So they had like a Hershey kiss and it was made into like a turkey and we brought it over to the convent, which is also a nursing home that is across the street from our school.
0: Right. Yes. I'm familiar with that. Uh, Right. Very close to Mount Notre Dame high school. So that's terrific. So you mentioned some, you said being pro-life is being pro-woman, something Mm -hmm. that the world needs to hear. It's so true, but the world doesn't seem to get that sometimes, right? You were talking about what abortion really is. You talked about care for the elderly, but you said you do this every month. So there must've been like nine different. So what are some of the other topics you've also covered?
1: Some of the other topics are talking about children in the foster care because sometimes they get overlooked. Also, people with disabilities also we kind of break down the womb part into like how it is respecting the child and how and then how it is respecting the woman. So one meeting was also about like the harmful effects abortion has on women. And then another was talking about how like the baby is a person. So we kind of expand off of those. And we actually only have about seven meetings each year because some months are skipped. So usually we can break it down. Usually the part about the baby into like three parts. And then we talk about elderly, mentally disabled, physically disabled, foster care, and then we'll switch out some others.
0: Rose, that's terrific. Are you familiar with our being pro life series?
1: I actually am not familiar with that series.
0: All right. Well, Ro- Rose, I'll, I'll let you know it might be useful for some of your topics. Every month we have a different topic. We've covered what what we do is we talk to people who have been affected by that issue. Like we covered euthanasia by talking mm-hmm. with a woman whose husband had died of a horrible disease, but he was faced with the question of euthanasia, and he chose not to do that. We talked about palliative care for the elderly. We talked about people and how it is that they can be better cared for at the end of their life. We talked to people who have different disabilities, parents of people with autism we've talked with. Anyway, so, so I can show you the link to the podcast, and you can listen to the podcast or watch that videos, and those videos always end with how can you get involved? What could you do to get involved? So- It might be useful to use some of those at some of your meetings. But anyway, moving on back to Mm -hmm. what it is that Mount Notre Dame is doing. So that sounds great. Now, I know that Mount Notre Dame, because you've been on our trips before, we usually organize a trip to the Mm -hmm. Washington, D.C. March for Life in January. Have you been on that trip yourself?
1: Yes, I have been on that trip three times. I went in eighth grade for a D.C. trip. We combined that. And then I went my sophomore year and then my junior year.
0: So you might remember me then.
1: Yes, I do remember you. We go to the the prayer service the past two years. I went to the prayer service before and you spoke.
0: Did you give a talk at the prayer
1: service? No, I actually read one of the readings at the prayer service, but I haven't given a witness talk.
0: Well, this is your chance to give a witness talk because uh, I, w- I want you to share with the audience, right? What is it like to go on that trip to DC, particularly for someone who hasn't gone and alternatively at the same time? And why is it important to go on this trip?
1: First of all, I think it is like super important to go on the trip. I can actually kind of combine these because it's just such a powerful experience. So, You're in the bus for hours at a time and it can seem like, oh my gosh, why am I going on this trip? But the people really make it the best. And then once you make it there in the morning and you get to go to the mass, like seeing all those people, like thousands of kids from around the whole country, it's just so inspiring. And I think it's nice to have something once a year to really like reignite your faith because sometimes we can trickle down or it's not as passionate about it because you're busy with other things. And then March for Life for me just really reminds me like what I'm fighting for and that I'm not alone because sometimes it can seem like everybody is against you when you're not surrounded by people who agree with you and, you know, not to always surround yourself with people who agree with you because you need to have people to challenge your beliefs and so you can grow your defense of it. But so the March for Life really shows you people that you are not alone and that you can do this and like you can make a difference and help these women and these babies.
0: So Rose, tell me a little bit about what, what's it like? What's the experience itself? Like how lots of people, the crowd, the enthusiasm.
1: So the bus, so for the prayer service, it's nice to like sell people from around your area and see people you recognize. So that's really cool to start out before you can get on the bus. And then the bus right there about, 10 hours, very long, but everyone's so excited that you rarely even notice, honestly. And then going into, like I said, the arena at DC, that's super inspiring. There's so many people there. So you go through the mass and then there's like a a rally before. And like, there's some like people who talk, who give like really inspirational talks, who have like been part of the pro-life movement. And then you go out and there is a talks on the national mall. And last year we did that and it was really cool to like see all like these people that you usually only, you know, you hear about, but they're like giving talks about that. So that's about a couple hours. And then the March itself is probably like the shortest part of it because everyone just starts walking towards and it's not like a mad dash. I, I, you know, there's so many people that you're kind of like going one step at a time and then all of a sudden you're just like in the street and you're just walking and Everyone has to, like, hold on to each other because there's so many people. I remember one year we we're all like, everybody up somebody. base. So we're all, like, grabbing each other's arms and walking down um, so make sure we don't lose anybody. And, uh, yeah, when I feel like you get to the Supreme Court building, like, that, it's so fast. And then once you're there, there's a lot of people with signs and there's even, like, news reporters there. And then it's weird because it's kind of just all over and everyone's trickling out. And everyone's kind of like on that high from, you know, walking through. And also what's really fun is when you're walking through with everybody, there's so many people. And then once it starts to get more even and everyone's walking, sometimes you do like cheers, like, I love babies. Yes, I do. I love babies. How about you? And then you kind of just do that. So it really builds a sense of community, even though if you're from opposite sides of the country, you really feel like you're connected to all these people in your country. And then afterwards, we, I think it was Senator Shabbat hosts in one of the buildings near to the Supreme Court.
0: The Rayburn buildings, Congressman Steve Mm -hmm. Shabbat, as well as Congressman Brad Winstrup.
1: So they, and they provide food and lunch for us. And we can see people from the Cincinnati area. And it's just a kind of time to like cool down and kind of like talk about the experience and then get on the bus. And then we actually take a detour at a retreat center and it's really nice to go to that retreat center because we meet up with everyone from the Cincinnati area and then they talk about like everyone like gives witnesses about what was their favorite part about it, what really moved them. And I remember last year we did like giving us like reasons why we believe because sometimes like you're so into it, but you're like you couldn't really give the reasons, you know, like you know you have these reasons but it's they give you like the recipe. And so you have the facts in your head, you have the way to say it respectfully, and so that you can defend your beliefs. And that was really nice to have that, like, that send off be like, all right, you participate in this March, you know, the reasons that you are this now go out back home and tell everybody, you know, and so we have that we have dinner, and then the drive back.
0: Yeah, that is the uh, that's a Potomac Center that's been part of it's been part of the Archdiocese of Cincinnati group bus trip for three or four years now. Now, unfortunately, because of COVID, the march of certainly is still happening in DC, and everybody that plans that march in Washington DC wants to make sure it's very clear that I'm saying that that march is still happening. But the bus trip from the Archdiocese mm-hmm. of Cincinnati, the, that bus trip has been canceled because we just don't know how we can mix people, kids from different schools and families onto a group of buses, right. make it financially possible to do that. But has Mount Notre Dame made a decision yet, do you know, are you still going to try to go or are they you're going to stay home and do something else?
1: So we really, really want to go. So at our meeting next week, we're going to talk to the whole club and because if you're going to go, it would have to be more of a parent, parents would drive down. So we're going to get people to talk to their parents to see if it could physically be possible to do so. But we're really going to try to do that. And otherwise we would give the option of people who, cause some people have tournament during that time. And so they probably wouldn't be allowed to go to DC. So we'll have some of the people who can go and we'll really try to make that trip work go to DC. And then we're going to have a separate group of people who could stay here. And then we're looking at some opportunities with Moeller and also Baden is having something. So we're gonna all try to make both work.
0: Yeah, we're recording this in October. So if you're wondering why it is that Mount Notre Dame doesn't know what they're doing two weeks from now, it's because we're publishing this in January, but we're talking in October. So not all the plans have been made just so the listeners know what's going on there. Okay, so let's go back to what your club does. So you meet a lot, you have different topics that you talk about and you you do some kind of a service activity usually, right? Related to that. Um, So who comes up with this plan? You're you're the president of the Life Club at Mount Notre Dame, right? Is this your first year as president?
1: Actually, uh, I've been president for the past three years because there was not anybody who wanted to do it. There were six people in the club my freshman year. And my mom was kind of just like, honey, just go like you better be going that Respect for Life Club. And of course, I believe in the cause. But I was more just like, I don't have time after school. But I started going, I was going to every single one. And then at the end of the year, it was mainly like juniors and seniors. I was going and then they asked if anyone wanted to lead. And I was like, I'll apply to be like the secretary or something. But only two people applied. And so they're like, okay, do you guys just want to lead? And so I was like, okay. So sophomore year, I remember the meeting before school started and they're like, yeah, so basically you can do anything you want with this club. I'm like, that is no help at all. So I just basically worked with my moderator, Mrs. Bolin, and we came up with some stuff. So <laughs> that's pretty much how it went. And then Ava became my vice president last year. And so we've been, it's mainly me, her, and Mrs. Boland, who come up with these plans. So we came up with this structure of doing learning about a topic and then doing a service activity. We mainly came up with learning about a topic my sophomore year. And then my junior year we're like we should add some service opportunities. And so some more people started coming and we wanted to do more service. Now there's 50 plus people in the club, I'm super happy to say, and we do service activities. So now we're under the umbrella of the MND service program instead of just a club. So we've really grown.
0: Well, Rose, so it sounds like we need to clone you to be the president of every life club in the Archdiocese. You grew it in in from six to like 50 in like a year or two. That's incredible. That was going to be part of my question. You're the one who did it. So let's say someone is at a school where there is no life club or there's only six people <laughs> at their life club, right? In addition to what you already said is what happened. Do you have any advice? Like, okay, what should you do if you're at another school and six people meet and they hardly know what to do? What, How, how can you get this off the ground and turn it into something that 50 people go to?
1: So honestly, I attribute it all to the Holy Spirit. You know, give it to God and he will multiply the loaves. So I think it's really advertising, catering to your people because there, I found that there's so many people who are pro-life. I mean, a lot of these were like Catholic schools. So there's going to be, you know, there should be like majority of people who are pro-life and they just don't really know about the club. think they like, don't really do much. I think people are much more invested when you make it about service and you actually do things at your club. So, and that's what I did. I was thinking like, what clubs do I stick with? And it was the clubs that, I did service with and also advertising the march for life because everybody loves to go on those and so that's how to get the people in i would say to have service activities and really advertise the march for life because people get excited about it because it's a really good bonding experience too with your classmates to like bond around this issue and this cause and then from there have snacks to pull people into <laughs> that was a funny thing where we would always say i remember my sophomore year, like oh we have food And now we don't even have to say that because people will come anyway. So, yeah, just really trying to show that you have a structure. Because a lot of times my freshman year, it didn't seem like they had too much of a structure. So, I didn't think that they're, like, a really credible club. But so, I, like, I make sure that we have reminders. I update our band page, which is where we do all our updates and everything. So, it shows that, like, we are active and on top of it. So, Hopefully right. that helps. But if anything, just put your heart into it and put it out to as many people as possible. And so, there were some meetings my sophomore year where only about 10 people came and I was like, oh, gosh, but even my all anyway. And then I would discover later on that people wanted to come, but it just didn't work with their schedule. And the next meeting, they were there. So just kind of keep confident and keep fun.
0: Right. I'd like you to write a book about that. So number one, leave it till the Holy Spirit, right? Throw it, throw it at the feet of God. But then of course, you know, beyond that and the practical pieces, uh, give people something to do. So they're not just sitting in another class or something. They're actually doing something to serve the world, right? Serve the community. That's a big one. Don't give up on your advertising. Make sure people know that it's happening. People know that there's a club out there, right? And don't give up. You know that you've got mm-hmm. the method. some not every day is as many people as you want gonna come, but don't but don't quit because of that. Right. And before and serve food. That was your other practical piece of advice, right? <laughs> That's a hey, we've got <laughs> what kind of food? Do you have a do you have a recommendation how this food works? This food doesn't work. <laughs>
1: Honestly, if you do homemade stuff, I mean Oreo balls a killer. Most people there. <laughs>
0: So homemade things they can't get anywhere else. That, exactly. uh, that's also part of the key. Mm-hmm. All right. I used to work in youth ministry. I was the associate director for youth ministry for the arts diocese for, for a few years. And those were some of the big rules that we always gave out as well. That's pretty similar. And you learned that all by yourself. All right. So that's great.
1: Yeah. No, thank you for all those questions. Those are all really good. And I just want to emphasize that I know it's like, whoa, she grew it from six to 50. And I mean... I think a lot of people, when you hear that, I did not think I was going to do that. I did not want to be present at all. I was like, this is too much. There's definitely been times where like I get so overwhelmed and I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to plan this meeting. And there's definitely been last minute meeting planning sessions. But I think what's been the thing that's kept me confident and kept people coming is just mine and Mrs. Bolin, the moderator, and my co-president, Ava Williams, just our passion for it. And people are so relieved to have other people who also believe in it. Because sometimes it can feel like this culture of, you know, pro-choice, which is really just this culture is death, which is sad. But people feel like they're anti-woman if they are pro-life. And just by putting out the message that they like pro-life is pro-women and that they can find a safe place and they have a voice in this club and just by putting that message out really gets people to come so we are just the channels through which the holy spirit works and to grow this culture of life that people really want to be a part of just gotta remind them and pull nudge them a little bit with food
0: rose if you have time i would love to hear maybe the uh you're an all-female school out there at mount notre mm-hmm. dame and that's a message that people need to hear that pro-life is pro-woman for our audience mm-hmm. why is it because people think right reproductive rights this is so anti-woman
1: mm-hmm.
0: how is it that it's pro-woman message how would you articulate that
1: we're actually making our bulletin board right now and uh, we want to put a part. a big part of it is pro-life is pro-woman and have several reasons why so I'm actually just about to research that more, but as of now, for my beliefs now, I would say that life is pro-woman because my mom is a uh, clinical psychologist and she has had post-abortive women clients, but she told me how these all these stories about how they just like regretted it, the post-traumatic stress and some like the physical injuries and things have had on them, and it's nothing like. Oh, it's gonna kill you. But these are horrible things that they have to live with. And her life is pro-woman because we don't want we want to keep these women from having to go through those horrible situations. I think our culture pushes women into making those decisions hastily and to um this culture of convenience. But we need to realize that look at the long-term effects and look at our options, including like adoption. But then also because All the little girls that are being killed, I don't think that pro-life is pro-woman because we're keeping like these women who, you know, could be women alive and giving them a chance at life. Yeah. So I think those are the two major things that I would say pro-life is pro-woman.
0: All right, well, thanks for talking with us today about what it is that Respect Life Clubs are doing in high schools and other schools here across the arts Thanks, Rose, for talking with us specifically about what's going on at Mount Notre Dame and how it is that you can start your own group if it's not happening at your school, or maybe if it's happening, but not quite so well, maybe you can take some of these ideas and put them into place and get an even more active group happening at your school. Well, thanks for talking with us today.
1: Of course. Thank you so much for having me.
0: And I want to thank all of our viewers and listeners for tuning in on this episode of our Being Pro-Life series. Head to the website to view more resources talked about in this episode at www.catholicaoc.org being pro life. Thank you again for joining us today. I look forward to being with you next time.